Y'all, I'm super excited today's episode because we have one of my favorite Dutch women on the show. And this episode is so packed with just juicy goodness and so many takeaways. So don't run off. Let's jump on in. Welcome to the Serve Scale Soar podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping service-based entrepreneurs scale their online business to five-figure months so they can soar into six-figure years. Your host, Brandy, is a wife, mom, and in less than one year, created a six-figure business. And now she is spilling all her secrets so you can too. Skelsor family. I'm super excited because today we have one of our beta to biggie members, Meryl, joining me. And how she runs her business is so different than how so many other people are running their business in terms of who she serves, where she serves them, and her background. So I'm super excited to introduce you to one of my favorite people, and that is Meryl. Meryl, please tell my audience a little bit about who you are as a person and then also about your business. Hi, Brandy. Well, thanks, first of all, for having me. I'm Meryl. I am married. I have two kids. I live in the Netherlands. Together with my husband, we're both like American and Dutch citizens. And as what I do, I'm an online business coach and I help entrepreneurs to grow their business with an online program. Just a little bit like Brandy does, but I do it for the Dutch market. Uh, So I really decided to niche down on the Dutch audience as that is where my family and I are living at the moment. I love that. And so I didn't realize that you were a US citizen as well. That's super interesting. And I would love to know just a little bit about your background. Like, How did you get started in the entrepreneurship world? How I got started is in 2015, uh, when I actually, we we used to live in America. We used to live in the South of France. We moved back to the Netherlands. So in 2015, I started actually two companies. It's a wedding-based company where we do film and photography for weddings. And I do that together with my husband. And I also started another company. And that was like Pain Bar. We call it Pain Bar. It's like equivalent to Pain Night or Muse Pain Bar in America. And I actually got that concept from America because I really thought it was like a fun way of an evening out. You combine wine and painting in an evening out. So I actually started two companies in 2015. And uh, the second company, the Pain Bar company, that grew really fast. So first of all, I did it uh, alone and then I got a partner. And within like a year, we had like through the whole Netherlands, all kinds of events. And um, yeah, we were actually doing pretty good. But as you can imagine, like growing really fast. Uh, Our revenue was really good, but our profit, not as much. And as a starter, I kind of find myself in a place that I always was uh, working. We had an office, I think five or six full-time members and a lot of part-time members, employees working for us. And I felt like I was always working. And at some point, my husband was a little bit done with it. He kind of missed me having around. I was often like working in the night as well, because At some point, I was giving also um, uh, the instructions as well as being the entrepreneur of it all. He came to a point that he was kind of a little bit done with it. And when I was able to kind of sell my part to my uh, partner in the company, I did that. Because I felt like often when you have a bigger company, it, it sounds really sexy to have your own office and employees. But I felt like I was kind of more like a slave to what other people wanted from me. I kind of want to be home with my kids as well, like getting out of school, having more freedom. But if you have a a kind of a bigger company, 
it feels like you have to be there. You have to be the good example. So when I sold it, I really felt like I needed something different. I needed a different revenue model where I didn't have that many people relying on me and where I had a lot more freedom. So actually it was It took a little while before uh, I was able to switch as a coach because if you like sell a company, it, it takes a while to kind of get yourself back in the in the horse saddle and figure out what you then really want. I come from an um, advertising company, so I had a lot of things where I uh, could actually do my course about. I knew I wanted a little bit more of an online business, but I had to figure out what I was going to teach. So it took me like a year and a half to figure out what my topic was going to be for my online business. So after a year and a half, after I sold it, I started my online coaching business. So it took a while, but that is what I'm doing right now. I love so much about your story. And the crazy thing is I was just talking to someone yesterday. She was DMing me and we were having a conversation and she runs a swim instruction school. And she was saying the same thing that the profit margins just aren't there, that really high revenue, but the profit margins aren't there. And I hear this so many times with businesses that are brick and mortar or like a physical business where, like you said, you have rent, you have employees, all these things. And that doesn't mean there can't be successful businesses. There are, there's a ton of successful businesses, but profitability is much lower than when you have an online business. And I think sometimes as online entrepreneurs, we take for granted how profitable we can be, or we go by outdated information that wasn't for small businesses online. It's small businesses offline. Like the whole, you know, you won't be profitable for three years. I don't believe that that's true at all in the online space. And I feel like the more that we feed into that outdated advice, the more toxic it is for us online. But this is a common thing. You can have high revenue, low profit, and then you find yourself working all the time. And so I do want to go back to like your husband being done with you working all the time and everything. And I don't think this is exclusive to people who have like brick and mortar businesses, offline businesses. I think that there's probably a lot of husbands and wives out there who get annoyed when their spouses are working all the time, especially if they started their business so they can be with their family more. So how did you navigate that situation and those conversations? Yeah, he was really graceful though. Like if you have a startup kind of the first year, there's like a period of grace, but this was coming into the uh, the second year and, and, and closely to the third year. So at some point, I feel like you're kind of done with being in that graceful uh, period of time. And you kind of have to reflect on what is happening, what becomes structural. And what he just uh, felt when he like talked to me that even though I was present like in the home at, in the weekends and that kind of stuff, that because I was so busy in my mind, it was hard for me to really be present in the moment. And that is where we kind of lost a little connection because we're both really dreamers. We like to dream about futures. We like to travel a lot. So that part, we kind of missed the connection on. We weren't able to dream anymore together because I was so occupied in my head to kind of think about my business and the worries that comes with it. 
Yeah. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs find themselves in that place too, where maybe we are present at home, but like our head is somewhere else. We're thinking about what funnel I need, how many clients I need this month, where is our revenue and all these things. And so one of a few things that we have put into my business to make sure that once I'm out of my office, I'm checked out is I don't read business books outside of my office. I know that sounds so crazy, but I don't read business books at night before bed because then, then I'm up all night. I don't read business books when Riley's home because then I'm thinking about all the things that I can implement. Also, when my laptop does not leave my office and like when I'm in my office, I'm working. Otherwise, everything's out and it really helps you disconnect your brain from that. But it is something that takes time to learn. I mean, as entrepreneurs, we're always thinking of new ideas and everything. But when you can start to disconnect that family time and being able to really focus, I guess it's more of compartmentalizing. Like when I'm in my office, I'm thinking about work. When I'm outside of my office, for the most point, this isn't always true. I'm focused on whoever I'm with at that point. So have you found that easier to do now with your online business? Yes. And it's way easier for me to include him in my dreams and um, kind of where I'm going also with my business, because it's something I'm doing alone and I can include him in this whole process. While when I had my business with a partner in the office with personnel, he was just further removed from the whole process. Plus, it's way easier for me to do my own time. So in the evenings, I'm not gone to do like events. So that really helps. So in the evenings, we like to Netflix together, like a couple hours a night. We do it almost every night, not not always, but that's something how we connect together. And uh, we do the coffee, we drink coffee after dinner together. So that's like points where we connect. So if you actually have the space to do that more often, then it's way easier to, to connect and let them be involved in where I'm going with my business. I love that. My husband and I are big TV people at night too. So <laughs> Okay. So now I want to talk about your current business. And also, are you still running your wedding filming business? Yes. So it took a while for me to figure out uh, indeed what kind of online business I was going to do. And I figured out that I really had to focus on the stuff that I felt like I needed to do instead of what I could do. Because there were so many different courses, so many different things I could teach. And that what made me actually a little scatterbrained. So after a while, I kind of figured out I cannot do multiple business at the same time. So what I did is we still have our wedding business, but I actually don't put any CEO time in this. I'm doing the shoots, I'm editing, um, I'm actually outsourcing most of the editing, but that's all. So it actually comes to us. I don't have to actually put marketing time in that. And so that's fine because we see it more like as a date together. My husband and I are going on a date and it's a wedding and it's nice. And that's it. But the business I'm actually growing is my online business. And that's just focused on one thing. I always thought that I was the exception. I can do multiple businesses at the same time because I can work fast uh, and I have a big capacity. But the truth is you can't. You can only kind of have one big business in your headspace uh, to build. That's what I discovered. And I was kind of fighting it for a while that I had to do it. But now I'm really focusing on my online business to help um, entrepreneurs build their online program. I love this. And so what Meryl does is very similar to what I do in Beta to Biggie. It's a group coaching program. It's helping them get their course off the ground. And, you know, like I love this because some people see it as like, well, y'all are competition. 
And I'm like, no, like that's such a lack mentality. And there's so much room for all of us to win in this space. And so Meryl, when you applied for Beta to Biggie, where were you at in your program? Like, had you launched it? And then what made you apply? Yes, I actually launched prior to uh, starting with Beta to Biggie. I did a revenue of 15K, but I stepped in at a point that I actually didn't build it yet. So I came in and I remember joining Beta to Biggie and you had such a great onboarding sequence that I thought like, wow, this is already my money worth because how can I otherwise have an insight in like a course like this, a program like this, what I can feed off on. So I, I really felt like I immediately, even though I launched, I had an idea and I kind of created already a framework for myself. I had so much like benefits from entering the program alone. So why I, did I join? I think it's really important what you said about like, how can you get your money's worth as soon as possible? And you saw that through the onboarding. It's different for everyone. But I think that when we go into a program and we're like, if this one thing can make revenue back for me, it's so worth it. And that's how I go into programs. And I know that we've talked about this. Like, If you can get that one thing out of it, it was totally worth it. So then you launched your beta. You did 15,000, which is incredible. And then you decided to apply for beta to Biggie. So what made you apply? Yes, that's funny because I actually met you uh, personally on Clubhouse. You remember that that app we kind of yeah. used for a little bit of time? <laughs> so I, I kind of followed you because of uh, some interview you did on other podcasts. So that's how I followed you. And I knew you were kind of further than I was. And I kind of had the desire to just grow, to uh, skill up. And I knew that if I was under the wing of somebody who already did it, then I can go faster. So that was the reason why I applied. And I just wanted to learn from you how to grow this business faster. I love that. And so one thing that I want to dig into, Meryl, is in Beta to Biggie, I talk about the three levels of niching and how we need to take it down three levels. And some people are so resistant to this because they think that they're going to really like, they're going to miss out on a bunch of people. But one thing I love about you is your proof that you can be super niche and you, how you've niched down is a little bit different than how most people niche down. So can you tell us like, who is your niche and how have you really targeted a certain audience? Yes, I actually started a little bit and I looked into the American field and the Dutch field. And I felt like because I was coming from like an email list of zero um, is that uh, I had to do it with advertisement. Of course, you don't have to. But at that point, I had the conviction that I had to do it with advertisement. And I saw that ads in Holland were a lot cheaper than ads in America. So that was actually the reason why I decided to go for Dutch audience versus the American audience. Plus, I had some people responding to me like, hey, Miro, in Dutch, you are so much funner and more yourself than in English. Because I had to learn also a lot of like doing stories on Instagram. So that was also new for me. So in a different language, it's, it's a little bit more uncomfortable. Uh, so that was actually the reason why I was convinced, okay, let's me do the Dutch audience only. It's a lot smaller audience, of course. But I am uh, niched down to entrepreneurs who, who want to start their online business and do that from like their purpose. So for me, purpose is really important. As I tell a little bit of my story, that people really do it out of what they uh, need to do in life and not all the things, all the possibilities. So I'm actually helping purpose-driven entrepreneurs to come up with their own online program. What is exactly what they should do in life and make a business of that. 
And one of the things that I want to point out, because I know some of my listeners are not great at geography and I'm not judging you. It's totally okay. But a lot of people don't realize that like you're not serving the biggest country or area. (laughs) I, I don't know the exact population, but I would say your area is probably not one of the biggest countries in Europe by any means. No, I don't know actually how many people live here, but it's under 20 million. I think it's 70. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, uh, 17 million, I think, in Holland. Yeah. And, that, uh, and then you're only taking a smaller percentage of that, which is entrepreneurs or people who want to be entrepreneurs who also want to create some type of program. And so like we're getting down. And so for anyone, especially if you're in a topic that can serve US, Canada, Australia, Europe, like that speak English. And you're saying like, oh my gosh, if I niche down, you know, like I'll be losing out on so many people or I won't be able to find enough people. Meryl's proof that like, you don't need a massive audience to be able to be super successful in your business. You know, I'm, I'm kind of still starting. Uh, I helped last year, 30 people. I did almost a profit of hundred thousand dollars in, um, sorry, not profit in revenue, but the profit margins are a lot better than they used to be. So I helped only 30 people and there's a lot more people here to help. So I think I can still grow a lot only in Holland before I even think about branching out to an English speaking uh, audience. Yeah. And I love that. And here's The thing, y'all, she serviced 30 people and had 100,000. You don't have to start out and go low ticket. So Meryl, I know you're in euros, but tell us in euros, how much is your program? It's at the moment it's 10, but I started with 3,000 euros, which is basically $3,200, depends on. Yeah. So Meryl, with a list of zero people... And just coming into the online space started with a $3,000 program. And now it's bumped even further up than that. So what I want you to know is like, you don't have to start low ticket to have big results. And so many people think that they have to do one of these like SLO funnels that are $37 to get started, or they have to do like a low cost membership. And the truth is there's a lot of perceived value when things are higher priced. That's why when you go into a dealership right now, like you can't negotiate prices with anything, but before the market was insane for cars. If you went in to a Porsche dealership or a Lamborghini, you don't negotiate the price. The price is what the price is. And when you go into a Tiffany's jeweler, you could probably get it. Some people are going to argue, but cut clarity, all that. If you had the exact same ring at Zales, you would pay less, but you're paying more at Tiffany's because of the perceived value that Tiffany's holds. And so sometimes it actually works in your favor to charge higher ticket than lower ticket. And it takes a whole lot less people to hit your revenue goals. Right. And it was funny because uh, how I actually met you on Clubhouse, I remember jumping in this conversation and I asked the question, I am going to launch with an offer of 3000 to a cold audience. Do you think this can work? And you asked me this question, do you think it's going to work? I said, yeah, I think I can do this. Well, then you can. 
you told me. And, and there's so many business coaches who tell you, no, you cannot do that to cold onions. You have to warm them up first very long. And I always launch with the challenge. So there's a mini warming up phase. So there is warming up. But definitely, I went from an email list of zero with a couple of ads to a challenge to my first launch of 15K. And it was because you kind of believed in this process, even though you were not my coach at the time, which was also the reason why I went with you later on, because you believed in the bigger, you kind of believed more in me if I believed in myself. And that's what I loved. Meryl, I did not know this story. And it's so funny because I hated Clubhouse because I thought it was such a time suck. But I love that this story, and this is one of the things that I think is really important too, is that when we just show up to serve, like in Clubhouse, I wasn't promoting really anything. I just got up and served and I wasn't holding anything back. I never believe in holding things back. That's why I share like everything on the podcast. And so you'll find your people when you just start showing up and serving. And that's why I always say, go out and serve your clients. And clients can be students, audience, whoever they are for you. But the more we can serve from a place of not expecting anything in return, the more the universe will provide for you. And so thank you, Meryl, for sharing that story because I didn't know that story. And so I appreciate that so much. So tell me, you said you were a dreamer. What are your dreams for 2022? Well, I have a revenue goal when I want to hit. So I want to do two and a half times what I did this year. But my big dreams, the reason why I do all this is uh, I want to build our own house. Uh, my husband can build houses from scratch. We only need a piece of land. And at the moment, we're still renting. Uh, but the house market, of course, exploded a little bit. So I want to I wanna have a very good revenue year actually a profitable year, so that it's easier for us to get a mortgage, so to find the land and build on it. That's my big dream for for our business. I love that. I love that. And I'm excited because I think, I'm like pretty sure that we will be seeing each other and meeting each other in November in Florida for our Beta to Biggie retreat. Yes. I love to come to America for any reason. So if there's like events, I like to fly out for it. Um, and, uh, I'm definitely going to be at yours. Yes. I'm super excited. Well, Meryl, this has been such an amazing episode, but before we end two things, one, are you ready for rapid fire? Yes. Okay. Perfect. So tell me what is the, your favorite software or tool that you use in your business that you can't live without? Kajabi. Of course. Love it. Tell me what is the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Well, it's actually a quote from somebody. So it might not be business advice, but it, it was the quote, how can this work for me? So Ooh, I like sometimes that. when your results are not that great as you hoped, you can always think it from like, but how can it work for me that it actually is going to help me? I love that so much. And it makes me think of when people are like, I want to have a $100,000 launch and they haven't even done like a $10,000 launch or they don't have the systems to support doing a $100,000 launch or they don't have the revenue to spend on ads if they choose to, to hit that. And so I love that quote so much. Okay. And then tell me, what is your favorite part about Beta to Biggie? For me, it's the Q&As. I just love showing up. I think one of the most um, persons showing up all the time for your Q&As because I feel like that's the moment I can kind of pick your brain legally to, uh, to get all your knowledge and all your wisdom. So I always like to submit one or two questions and then uh, get all your wisdom poured out on my business. 
The funny thing is the Q and A's, those are my favorite part of beta to biggie too. Cause I love that time that we have together each and every single week, just to brainstorm and flesh out ideas. So that's definitely my favorite as well. <laughs> and then tell me, how do you define success? Uh, for me, it's building the business really based on your purpose and um, so that you love doing what you're doing. You're not doing something we actually don't want to do, plus the freedom to do what you love. Because last year we went on eight trips. We traveled eight times. So we love to travel. So our business definitely opened that possibility up. I love that. And I love travel as well. So I'm right there with you. I love (laughs) creating memories. And so I think that success for me is how many memories can we create? So thank you so much, Meryl, for joining us. And where can my audience connect with you and learn more about what you're doing? They can find me on Instagram at Meryl Pajela. And we will make sure to link that up. And y'all, it's so funny because Meryl, all of her stuff is in Dutch. And so when she submits stuff for critique, I'm like over here figuring out how to use Google Translator so we can translate it to English. And then also, I love seeing your stories. And half the time, I have no idea what you're saying. But I'm like, oh, I love Meryl's stories. (laughs) Yes, I I have a lot of American English speaking audience actually on my Instagram. And they just keep hearting everything I'm doing. But they have no idea what what I'm saying. I know. I heart everything. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is. Is, but I want to heart it. So I just appreciate your time and sharing your story. And I'm so excited for you to hit your goals this year. Thank you, Brandy. Bye-bye. How good was that, y'all? Meryl has started and sold businesses, started new businesses, has really followed her passion in her dreams. She showed us that you don't have to start off with low ticket in order to have big results, how profitability really impacts your business, and then how to have conversations with spouses or family members when our brains are always on as entrepreneurs and what she looks for when joining a program. And so if you would like to meet more people like Meryl, you're ready to launch or scale a course, a membership, or group coaching, then go on and head to betatobiggie.com and check out my free training on how I scaled to a million dollars per year. This is probably one of the best trainings I've ever done, and you're not going to want to miss it. It's so good. So B-E-T-A-T-O-B-I-G-G-I-E.com. Once you watch that training, there's not really a pitch, but we do go over how you can apply to join us inside Beta to Biggie. And then you can click the button apply if you think it's right for you. And we can chat about if it's a good fit or not. And so y'all go out this week, serve your clients, scale your business and soar into the success you deserve. Thanks again for tuning in to the Serve, Scale, Soar podcast with your host, Brandy. If you loved our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.